Good morning. You're listening to The Daily Cast, a podcast to start the day on Kilcullen Diary. I'm Brian Byrne. It's Thursday, the 29th of April, 2021. This morning we'll look at the life of a man born locally who became one of the most powerful people in Ireland and in the Church of Rome. And on what is Poetry Day Ireland 2021, we'll talk to a Kilcullen-born poet now living on the other side of the world. But first, the weather. Starting off mostly dry this morning, there'll be a mix of cloud and sunshine. There'll be some heavy and slow-moving showers from lunchtime which could include some hail. There'll be sun between the showers and it'll be a bright evening. Highest temperatures up to 11 degrees in variable light breezes. Our person of interest today was born on this day in 1852 in Naramore and became a force to be reckoned with in the church in Rome and later he was the most powerful man of his time in Ireland. Paul Cullen was one of 16 children of farmer Hugh Cullen and his wife Judith, six of whom came from his father's earlier marriage. He went to school first at the Quaker Shackleton School in Ballytore. His parents were fervent Catholics and Paul entered St. Patrick's College in Carlow in 1816. And four years later he enrolled at the Pontifical Urban College in Rome. He graduated as a Doctor of Divinity after showing great distinction in his studies. And following ordination in 1821, he held a number of important positions in the church in Rome, including rector of the struggling Pontifical Irish College. In that last, he increased the number of students and secured the college's future by fostering strong relationships with the hierarchy back in Ireland. In February 1850, he was concentrated Catholic Bishop of Armagh and at the same time Ireland's apostolic delegate. His key role here was to bring the Church in Ireland into conformity with Roman canon law. He convened the Synod of Thurlis in 1850, confirming rules relating to the Mass, the sacraments and the maintaining of registers and archives. Two years later he was moved to the See of Dublin. He was particularly interested in promoting religious education in Ireland and in 1862 he oversaw the laying of the cornerstone of a new Catholic university building in Dublin to which he had invited John Henry Newman as rector. The Archbishop maintained his strong connections in Rome by making frequent visits. In 1866 he was appointed Ireland's first cardinal. In political terms, he became the most important figure in the 30 years between Daniel O'Connell and Charles Stuart Parnell. His focus was always on what would be best for his vision of the Catholic Church in Ireland. And he campaigned against the secret societies of the Young Irelanders and the Fenians because he believed in constitutional means as the best way to effect change. His style has been described as authoritative and intransigent, and John Henry Newman is quoted as having said the Cardinal treated the laity as his subjects. In September 1872, he dedicated and opened Kilcullen Parish Church. It was one in a major programme of church building in Ireland, instigated by the Cardinal. He died in October 1878 at the age of 75, and is buried at Holy Cross College, Drumcondra. Now, today is Poetry Day Ireland 2021. There are a lot of online poetry events, and the theme is New Directions, Maps and Journeys. 
and I thought it would be appropriate to figuratively travel to the other side of the world, Sydney, Australia, and talk to a Kilcullen man who is quietly making a name for himself with his verse. Full disclosure, he is my nephew, Dara Byrne, son of my late brother Des and his wife Josephine, brother to Colin, Elma and Anya. Dara is an IT genius by profession, with a background in physics, a dedicated mindfulness practice and a career building technology. His poetry in recent years is attracting attention in a range of publications, both in Australia and in Ireland. Here he is reading one which many in Kilcullen will understand. This is a poem I wrote about my father, Des Byrne, who was a long-time resident of Kilcullen and for much of that time was a local undertaker. The poem's called An Undertaker's Son. You would find him on a wet November Wednesday, sideways rain in New Abbey, filling the freshly dug six feet, sheets of fake plastic grass half covering the gape, hid until the last lowering of the departed. His grave face for the graveside, black woollen coat, black cap, black borrowed hearse, bright burnished heart. There is in every churchyard a statue that weathers the storms we cannot, strong walls to break the wind while we are breaking. Above the pub, brass plaques engraved by hand, a tinny drilling nib to carve the names familiar to the town. Dowling, Kelly, Mitchell, Nolan, Bernie. Each bright plate mounted on a casket from a stash of angled pinewood boxes I later learned not found in every home. A procession of passing, poignant punctuations in the long rambling paragraphs that wrote Kilcullen down, invisible ink inscribed across the years. At the houses of the lost he'd take the reins, make the arrangements, call in the death notice, lean on Billy Dowling for the laying out, raise up naggins of powers for the old men who'd lift the clod, bent over in the shadows of bent trees. Supplicate the parish priest he'd only ever see while undertaking. Honest in his faith. He followed his own father in the trade, continuing with pride the family name. Sons only follow fathers if they wish it, so we think. I did not escape his ways. Decades later, when I find myself patient, heart open to somebody else's pain, I see the line time drew from me to him and remember I'm an undertaker's son. Yes, that does bring back memories. On the line to Dara in Sydney yesterday, I asked him how it started in poetry. I wrote when I was in my teenage years and I uh, would send little bits off to the Leinster Leader and they published them and it was a thrill. Um, and then I stopped doing that. I stopped when I left high school and I didn't take it up again until about four or five years ago and I'd poke away at the odd kind of piece and sometimes something would come out that 
um, read like you know somebody else might like to read it as well. Um, and then, but I suppose for the last couple of years, like about two years ago, I decided, all right, I'm going to write with some uh, dedication. And uh, do you have any idea what triggered you back into writing poetry? Um, I think I'd never lost an interest in it, and I'd never lost an interest in literature and, and books um, all the way through. Um, and I've tried my hand at several creative outlets over the years, but I just had a kind of an inkling that I'd get back there. And then um, I think just starting to write in response to adventures and life events and um, uh, I guess having a bit more time on my hands after a relationship breakup a couple of years ago really gave me the, all right, now it's time to give this a crack and see see what happens. And where does it take you? It takes me to a, a kind of puzzle part of my brain where I know that I've got something that I want to try and put down in words. And I just don't, I don't want to do it in an ordinary kind of way. I want to do it with some kind of um, elegance or uh, whatever. And it's like I'm trying to solve a Rubik's Cube, <laughs> uh, you know, with words to, to try and get across whatever it is that, that I happen to have um, chosen for the particular poem that I'm trying to write. And it also takes me to very, very frustrating places as well, because that's, you know, not always the easiest thing to, to achieve. It can take quite a bit of effort to um, chip away at the, at the puzzle until I get a solution that I'm, that I'm kind of happy with. And are there particular um, themes that you go for, or will a poem strike you, a subject strike you that decide, I need to write about that? I think when I first started writing again uh, about, you know, five years ago, I'd suddenly get struck by a subject and I'd write about it and it might be months again before um, I got struck again. And I think, you know, what changed a couple of years ago was that I, you know, decided, oh, OK, no, there is there is this thing and it is important to me. So whether that be a memory or an encounter that I had that day or uh, something that was going on in my life, I would have, uh, have a go at it, you know, and just uh, decide to to tackle it. Um, I think like if you look at themes, uh, if I look at all the kind of poems I've produced, especially in the last couple of years, there's stuff around home, um, there's stuff around, uh, you know, family and my, my dad and his, his passing and all that sort of sort of stuff. Uh, there's uh, stuff about that tension of being, obviously I've lived in Sydney for 12 years and Edinburgh for a number of years before that, so I've been out of Ireland for a long time and there's that kind of sensation of having two homes, so I think that crops up uh, quite a bit in my writing as well. And then recently I've actually been writing about Sydney because, you know, after after this long period of time, I have kind of accepted it as my as my home and having spent a lot more time in one place during the pandemic, I've had, you know, more of an inclination to try and, try and get some of that down as well. If you come up with an idea, how long does it take you perhaps to turn it into a poem? Now that's, that's a question that you probably can't answer. It's like a piece of string, but... Um, Give it a crack. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's interesting because sometimes they come out very fully formed within a matter of like hours. Uh, more often, you know, I'll get, I'll get a draft down and, uh, or, or even just a line down and then spend the, the next few days uh, filling something out. But there's some poems, you know, I, I finished a piece recently that I've, uh, I've been watching these swans in the park over, over the four seasons of the last year. And, you know, it's taken that, that year for me to kind of take them in and, and scribble a few notes down to, to actually uh, get, a, get a piece out. So, yeah, absolutely right. Right. Piece of string. It's very, very satisfying when they do come out fully formed. But there's also 
joy in the craft of chipping away at them for for uh, for a period of time as well. And actually, I find that incredibly valuable now as well. I mightn't have had the patience for it before. Yeah, writing is a craft. Um, it's a craft that you hope improves every time you do something. Absolutely, and of course, you know, I have the inspiration of having uh, writers in the in the family. And I remember, I remember um, being a teenager with yourself and, and knowing that that's what you did. And um, uh, I reckon there was some groundwork laid uh, back back in those times. Um, and yeah, I totally agree. The the willingness to kind of just keep uh, showing up and doing it again, and then you know maybe uh, having a go at uh, stuff that you've done before to see if you can improve it is is a huge. Uh, part of it uh, for me, and, I, and it's a part of it that I only kind of really got the grips with in the last couple of years. The realization that uh, craft matters. Yeah. Now I know from watching you uh, on Facebook and 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 things like that that you're you're involved in poetry groups and poetry reading uh, venues and things like that in Sydney. How important is having that around you? It's been brilliant. It's been utterly life changing, actually. So I went to I started out going to a lot of open mic nights a couple of years ago. And there was one I went to in particular and the lady who was running it decided um, she had kind of had enough. And she asked me, would I take over the running of it? So uh, I did. And obviously I've been running that, you know, in an online space for most of the last year. But it's been great for the sense of community, uh, for making connections with other writers who are, uh, you know, often willing to give feedback on, on my work and so on and who I share feedback with in turn. And um, it, it also made me just um, write because I knew I'd be going to these events and I needed something to, to share. Um, so it gave me that kind of uh, motivation and um, inspiration to just keep keep having things uh, complete and, and, and written. So it's yeah, it's, it's been it's been fabulous um, addition to my life. I love the community aspect of it. I've made so many friends and um, yeah, it's, it's definitely improved my writing as a result. Obviously, the, 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 the goal of any writer, whether he or she admits it or not, is to be published. And you have uh, you've been fairly successful in having having pieces published in various outlets. Yeah, there's been a little flurry of that in the last, um, I guess, year and a half. And the first person to publish any of my work was a woman called Anne Casey, who's a pretty well-known Irish poet. And she ran a journal over here in... Um, uh, Australian. I sent her a piece that was uh, about my dad, and then I just that was you know the first poem I'd ever submitted, and it got accepted. And I thought, oh okay, maybe I'll throw in a few more. Um, and ever since then, I've been fairly uh, I guess systematic in in approaching uh, journals and so on, and entering competitions. And um, yeah, probably had about uh, I'd say twenty pieces published, and about four have done something in a, in a competition as well so it's uh, it's been it's I, I treat it all as a bit of an experiment and, and it continues to mystify me you know I'm like oh wow this is amazing that this uh, keeps happening uh, but uh, yeah and, and a lot of I've, I've had I've been in a few journals back in Ireland have been printed on paper in a couple of publications over there and there's more coming up um, I guess in May Crossways Journal so yeah there's 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 been um, a surprising and pleasant amount of uh, publication. Yeah. And how does publication and, and, and seeing your, your material in print or on screen or whatever it happens to be, how does that affect you? It's very satisfying, you know, it's, 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 I put a lot of, uh, I guess, effort into the work and I do, you know, it's for myself and um, I'm, I, I do take an inherent degree of satisfaction in writing something that I like to read and I'm like, oh God, I think this is good. Uh, but then when, you know, when that comes back at you from, 
uh, an external kind of source, it is it is satisfying, and, you, and it and it it makes me want to keep going and um, explore what the kind of boundaries are or what the limits are for for my writing and see see where I can take it. And I'm not in the sense of uh, fame and fortune because you know poetry isn't <laughs> it's not the best page discipline in the world, but um, uh, in terms of you know what sort of stuff I might I might put out into the world and. Um, whether it might have an impact on, on somebody else's life, because I think that's another thing you want as a writer as well, to know that uh, something has landed for, for somebody out there. And that's my nephew, Dara Byrne in Sydney. And we'll finish this with another poem from him, once again based on a memory from his home country. This poem is based on visits to my mum's farm down in Donnerale in County Cork, and it's based on a memory of, of a trip to uh, the March. It was highly commended in the Westival International uh, Poetry Festival in 2020. It's called Livestock Auction. My uncle, youngest of five, took on the farm. The only boy, the only thing to do. We'd go down in late August. He'd spin us yarns, tall tales of all the trouble we were due while stopping in. Callow, not knowing birds or the land like he did, and trustful. All we knew of cunning country ways came from his words. He took us to the mart, ego on id, stayed old men nodding at the auctioned herds. I swung from railings, enough to make a bid. He told me, smiling, that I'd bought a lamb. I never saw it. I'm still not sure I did. When I think of him, I think of being a man, craft, buried in humour. He wore the weight of it lightly. And I think of who I am. Long limbs swinging from an old farmyard gate. There you go. Something local for Poetry Day 2021. And if you find a moment today, read a little bit of verse for yourself or listen to someone do so on one of the many online events. Now to a quick wrap of the stories of the day as headlined on our local and national news outlets. The Leinster leader is going with a national one on air pollution killing 23 people a week here. But a much more pleasant piece is about a recently launched NACE takeaway food business that offers picnic hampers from a van on weekends. Lily and Wild is a start-up from Kevin and Davina Walsh operating outside NACE Racecourse. And they're giving all profits from their sales in May to Breast Cancer Ireland. The Air Nationalist reports on the blocking by councillors of a proposal for 11 new walking routes through the town because of fears they will increase antisocial behaviour. There's also a story about a skincare business which will soon be launching a new soap called the Curra Sheep Soap. The sustainable ethos company is called Pure Oscar and is based on the Curra. Today's national headlines, RTE is going with a cabinet ready to consider a plan to reopen society and the economy across May and June. Not a new story, but a constant one at the moment. And there's also a nod to President Biden's first 100 days speech where he says, America is back. 
The Times also takes the plan going to Cabinet with hopes of an accelerated reopening from lockdown. The Independent leads positively on this too, with inter-county travel, hairdressers and non-essential retail set for a May return. While the examiner gives prominence to the government ready to sign off on a vaccine bonus-phased reopening of the economy. And on those cheerful hopes, we'll leave it for today's Daily Cast. I'm Brian Byrne. This is Kilcullen Diary. Have a nice one and thanks for listening.